22. If you guys are using the Bibles that we provide here, it's on page 815. Oh, and if you need a Bible, feel free to raise your hand. And um, someone in the back will... You need Bibles over here. So again, it's Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was not to was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Amen. Thanks, Nicole. Good morning, Mackay family. I'm Leon Stevenson. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Good morning. Yeah, I got to let you respond. One of the uh, members of your pastoral team and uh, blessed to be a part of that team and blessed to be able to serve with you. Uh, will you guys pray with me, please? Father, we have the the joy of being able to delight in your word, Father, and we pray for those who can't do that publicly. People in other nations, Lord, where to proclaim your truths uh, is a life sentence. So God, let us not take it for granted today. Let us delight in your ways. Let these truths speak to us, God, in ways that lead us to um, live out your gospel. It's in your beautiful name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Family, we have been uh, focusing on a series called Christ and Community and Culture. And the first topic focused within that series was kingdom. 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 Are the things that you're doing contributing towards God's rule and reign? Is that, is that your focus? When you think I was a Christian, what am I to be about? That's what we're to be about. Advancing God's kingdom. 
Then we talked about filters or distractions that can hinder us from achieving that goal of making things kingdom. Some of the things that can get in our way hinder us from being God's people. We then talked about having right discernment. What does it look like to, to be missional and be about God's kingdom agenda, but still befriending people? And how sometimes those things are exclusive, exclusive, but other times those things get messy and they're, they're, they're one and the same. And how we have to be God's discerning people, being wise when we have different opportunities to take advantage of them for God's kingdom. And last week we talked about pro- proclamation and context. That, that God has given us great freedom to be able to do life with multiple people in multiple venues for the sake of the kingdom. And that you can care for people where they are for the sake of the kingdom. And so this week we're going to be looking at what does it look like for Christ, culture, and community to talk about the racial component. To talk about the reconciliation component. Because if you look around, we, we, have, a, we have a very beautiful and diverse body. But it doesn't mean that we're void of needing to be cared for and led well in how to continue to grow in this area of celebrating Christ through the beauty of his diverse body. So today we're going to be talking about that. And Ephesians 2 is, is, is the scriptures that are going to help us to expound, help expose this area that I think we all can continue to grow in. Verse 11 says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Therefore, it, th- that, that first term is assuming that you all already know something. It's like, hey, we were kicking it yesterday, and because we were kicking it yesterday, we're going to go do A, B, and C. And so if you jump right in and don't know what's before that, it'll, it'll, it'll greatly affect how you interpret the rest of these scriptures. So what happens before that? Before that, in verses 1 through 10, I'm going to give you a quick recap. Paul is basically saying this. Look, you guys were dead in your transgressions. Sin is what you existed in. It's something that you submitted to. There was, there's one who rules in the air, and, and I'm telling you, the ways of the world was a part of you. You were dead. But a beautiful, a merciful, a gracious God came and brought life to dead beings. He gave you life. And in doing so, he wanted to remind you, I'm doing this so that you can only boast in me. These works are not of your hands. You don't have the strength to bring yourself from death to life. Only I can do it. So if you boast in anything, boast in me. Boast in my power. But that the beauty of this is that, that not of your strength, not of your control, not of your own doing, your faith can't control the hand of God, but your faith can acknowledge it. So it's through faith that we receive this beautiful grace. And so that's the premise that we go into verse 11 with. 
that you were dead, then made alive. And the last verse here says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. From death to life for a purpose. So now we go to 11. And it says, therefore, remember, formerly you were Gentiles by birth. Now, there's there's a distinction that I got to help you guys get between Gentile and between Jew. And, if, and, and getting this is extremely important because you got to understand we think black and white can be a little bit tough or, or Asian and black can be a little bit tough. Jew and Gentile, like the tension there is, 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 is something that we have found it very tough to experience. Look at this. In Romans 9, he basically gives a list of five components that the Jews, that make the Jews feel like they're the best in the world. He says here in verse 4, the people of Israel, theirs is the adoption to the sonship. So the Jews think, hey, we are set aside as God's people. Theirs is the divine glory. We have an eternal end. The covenants, those promises that God made, that's to our people, homie. Receiving the law. There's a way in which God does desire for us to live. Guess what? We got that law. You don't. Temple worship. Okay, so God God does desire a certain way that I can bring him joy and I can bring him glory. And he uses the vehicle of the temple. We got the temple. Y'all don't. These beautiful promises made to Abraham that through his seed all nations will be blessed. Again, one, one more beautiful component that in their minds are like, this sets us apart from you. We are better than you. It's, it's almost as if, it's almost as if, imagine with me, all right? Say, say you and a good friend go out to eat, right? And now this good friend gets the buffet at the most expensive restaurant ever. I mean, we're talking about unlimited lobster, filet mignon, <laughs> crab legs, everything you can imagine. And so you're getting excited. You're like, okay, where's my plate? You know, it's my turn now to hit the buffet and they bring you out Ritz Cracker. A, a, a Ritz cracker. You, you see the comparison? Like the Jews see themselves delighting in all of these, these fulfillments that God has brought to them. And they look at the Gentiles and are almost like, you're not even worthy enough to eat with us. So, so now Paul is trying to tell me that we all benefit from the same God. Do you see the environment that Paul is going into where he's trying to renew the minds of these people, of these Gentiles who've been denied for so long and been told that there, there are many ways nothing, not even fit to come to the table and eat? And these Jews who've been arrogant and, and so full of themselves that they don't even see the Gentiles as a people worthy of God? You see the tension there? 
So Paul goes on and say, and he's speaking to the Gentiles here. He's saying, look, so, 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 so first, Gentile, you've got to get who you are. You see, verse 1 and 10 helps you to see that you went from death to life. So the issue now is you are now reconciled to God. See, we're not, we're not, let's, let's, regardless of what life looks like, regardless of the, the environment that you're in, I'm telling you, I've, God has made you into a new being. You now are within the family of God. You went from dead to alive. But by birth, they're called uncircumcised uh, by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. So basically, Paul is like, look, okay, I'm going to hip you into a little secret. You see, God has always desired the circumcision of the heart. Circumcision of your flesh was, was that, that component, while at a time was important, you still needed to be my people. You still needed to have a heart circumcised for me. So what he's doing by sharing this is saying, hey, these people who are making these accusations of you, their circumcision is still just flesh. And what I desire is a circumcision of the heart. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. He's basically like, look, you were a sinner. <laughs> there was a time when you were far from who God is. Where your Gentile ways and you delighted in those things. Remember what I showed you in 1 through 10? I just want to remind you that you were there at one point. But then how does verse 13 start? But. I almost want to have all y'all jump up now and be like, but now, yeah, yeah, but now, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a little bit of my, 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 my gospel rap coming out in me, you know? I'm sorry. But now in Christ. But now in Christ. You who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So a miraculous thing has happened. A miraculous thing has happened in that your sinful ways, which, which, which had you excluded, it says excluded you from that citizenship. Don't get it twisted. The citizenship, those five things that the Israels had, the temple worship, being sons and adopted into the family of God, that's not bad. You just weren't in that. So what Jesus is going to come along and do is fulfill each, and one, each of those five areas. But guess what? Now he doesn't just fulfill them for the Jews. He's fulfilled them for the Gentiles as well. So now in Christ... You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, now, when you look at this, you can begin to think that a wall of hostility 
is simply something emotional. You can think of it as being simply the tension between the two individuals, the tension between Jews and the tension between the Gentiles. But actually, the wall of hostility was also a physical structure that when you walked into the church, or excuse me, you walked into the temple, there was a wall. And that wall had a sign letting Jews know they could proceed and Gentiles couldn't. Because in the inner court was the place that, that Gentiles could not go into. And so, and so in, in, a, in an effort for both groups to come and worship together, there was separation that happened in the temple. And so, and so what Paul is trying to help them see is, man, this physical wall that separated you, Jesus has broken that down. But we, we've seen in history these types of walls, right? I mean, in, in history, this, this is a picture of a movie theater, and on the side of the stairwell going up, it says colored admission, 10 cents. So, you, so as, a, as a black person during an era, that can't be me, can it? <laughs> this is crazy. Hey, man. <laughs> you know, during an era of, of segregation, blacks had to go up the steps, watch the same movie, but they did it from the balcony, not integrating with whites who were down on the floor. I tried, I did a, a good amount of research, and while this was the norm of society, it really wasn't the norm of the church. During this era, churches didn't integrate. There was white church and black church. You didn't have, like, black people on the balcony of the churches, which is, which is extremely, extremely sad in the sense that society, for the sake of money, would choose to do a partial integration. But there was a time where churches, for the sake of the cross, wouldn't do a complete integration. It's sad. But, <laughs> but Christ, he is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. Look, the rules that built that wall up, the, the rules that allowed that wall to be present in the temple, those are now ab abolished in Christ. He now fulfills it and unifies it. I'm getting ahead of myself on a unity piece, but his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Hostility, hostility. That, that term is, is used in a number of different ways um, throughout the text. There's, there's one component of hostility. It's also sometimes referred to as fear. And I, I want to take us back to, to the garden. Excuse me. In Genesis 3, we get this picture of Adam and Eve. They're delighting in God, who is their peace. 
They're, they're in the garden, have no want. And then they take of the fruit. And immediately after taking of the fruit, it says this in, in, in Genesis 3, 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Tell me why, and this you can actually answer, tell me why would someone who at one time delighted in their nakedness, like just kicking it, you know what I mean? <laughs> now they're covering. Now they're, um, now, now they're covering. Why, why would that take place? Sister Betty? Yeah, watch yourself now. We got kids listening. So you said it was sacred through husband. It was sacred through them and God and revealed through husband and wife. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with you. I I would say that 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 one of the one of the results of sin is fear. One of the results of sin and they and so commentators and scholars and people way smarter than me say, look, you're a fool if you try to go research all the fruits of fear. Because see, fear can come present in you in insecurity and in you in arrogance. Fear can make you be crippled and not want to share your faith with some and with others make them think they know everything and they can win all for gospel. If you try to find the nuances of how it works, you're going to drive yourself crazy. But if you acknowledge that fear is the result of sin, then you can respond to it with a gospel result. With a gospel antidote. Because anything less, as E said earlier, is futile, is foolish. This, this, the, the, the greatest relationship that we see is one of us to God. But also one of the strongest encouragements for living out or imaging the covenant that God has happens through marriage. And here we see a clear indication of a relationship being broken down because of sin. Why do I go there? Leon, why are you talking about marriage and sin? Because I want you to see that sin present breaks relationships. And if we see the breakdown of race as anything else but sin, our antidote will be something other than the gospel. You're going to try to solve it with, with something that's humanitarian. You're going to try to solve it with something that, that, that's not the gospel. And I want to say that's foolish. That's foolish. Because God, what he wants to do is say, look, I am your peace. The two of you that were once separate, I am going to create and make anew. Doesn't that sound like marital language? Doesn't he take the man and the woman, and unite them and make them into one? You, you're getting the same image of a God who's like, I'm about reconciling. 
And in doing so, I'm eliminating sin. But you got to see it as sin. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. I'm going to come back to that. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Look, before when you were excluded, you were a foreigner. Those promises, they weren't yours. Christ died. His blood allowed you to be now a fellow citizen. Renamed you. You're no longer a You're no longer an outsider of the camp. You now are a part of the brethren. Can you can you imagine the 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 shock to their mindsets when all of their life they've been um, experiencing separation? And now Paul is saying, no, separation, uniting, unification, one. It's like a new world paradigm for them. fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Isn't that a great comparison to the temple that spoke about earlier? The wall of hostility? The, 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 the outages that that temple has, now the new foundation is built upon Christ. No hostility, no wall, no separation. Unity found in him. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Amen. I've got, I've got to... Um, so, so let me let me recap real quick because where are we going to go next? Some people might not agree with me. So I, I got to recap. Make sure you're following me and at least get the argument. So you were dead. God makes you alive. It's only in Him that we can boast. It's His strength that does it, not in our own. But through faith, we acknowledge God what you have done. Gentiles are now told, hey, at one point you were dead, now you're alive. And let me tell you, even, now this is a Leonism, let me step out. I believe that the oppressed, when given encouragement, can then be leaned or um, have a tendency to want to oppress others. If, if, if you give, if you, um, so I, I used to think racism was an authority issue. Like, like black people couldn't be racist because they didn't have authority over whites. And so they could be angry, they could be mad, but race was an authority issue. The, the Bible doesn't speak of race in that way. Racism in that way. The Bible speaks of it as arrogance, as pride, 
as hate, as fear. And I think a black person can have anger, arrogance, pride. Asian person can have anger, arrogance, pride. Like it's not a minority majority issue. It's a God character issue. And so I think Paul is saying, man, like, be focused on the unity that I'm making this because you, you now having this encouragement and being told that you're not less than but you're equal with in the kingdom, don't forget, I'm the one uniting it. Don't think that, that now because you're equal, actually you can have a tendency to want to be better than. I'm, again, that was a Leonism. But I, I share it because I, I want to expose the, the, I think all people sinful. And if you are a person of color or a minority, don't get lost in the social way and the world's way of defining racism. Look at, go, go back to God's heart. And if you can have anger towards a people, towards a people, I, I think you got to go examine your heart and, and ask yourself, is that, is, is that the character of Christ? Let's move on. So verse, um, where is Leon? Verse 21. In him, the whole building is joined together. Um, so I was recapping. So uh, you are... You know, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> so, okay, so now you have, um, let me just go back to my verses so I can see. Great. So the barrier of hostility torn down. Unity in Christ. He thus is making peace. We saw that sin affects relationships. And if we don't call racism sin, then it's going to affect the way that we do life with one another. So now I want to show you the application, because if you if you're if you are hearing me, you're like, Leon, I get it. Jesus died to unify us all. But when I step out of here, I don't see that. Even sometimes in churches, I don't see that. So it's cool to be in your mind, but what does this look like, Leon? Well, well, well let's continue to go to the Bible for that answer. Galatians 2 through 11, excuse me, Galatians chapter 2, 2, 11 through 16. When Cephas came to Antioch, and Cephas, most scholars agree, Cephas is, is Peter. It's also referred to as Peter. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. This is Paul saying he opposed Cephas to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men, excuse me, for before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. So he would do life with the Gentiles, grubbing. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles. Because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. We, 
We see here a clear example. See, 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 I don't think God is naive to say, hey, I've unified all people. And so sin isn't ever going to creep in anymore. I think he gives us a gives us an example here of, of, of what God's people are continue are to continue to be about. We see a breakdown here where basically this brother wants to act like he's cool with the Gentiles until the circumcised group comes around. But notice who it affects. Who does it affect in this in this in 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 those in eleven through thirteen? Who's affected by it? Got you doing some homework. Anybody's hand up? Hmm? Yes, other believers. Namely, you got in 13, other Jews joined him. So he's doing this behavior. The other Jews join in. And then it says, they not, it's not like they just join him and just like, they join him in hypocrisy. It's clearly stated. But their hypocrisy leads Barnabas astray. Who's Barnabas? You gotta, you gotta, if you, if you jump to Acts, I think it's Acts chapter three at the end. Barnabas is like, is like, um, kind of like held in juxtaposition or like is the opposite of Ananias and Sapphira. Like Barnabas, like, basically says, I believe in this gospel. I'm gonna sell my home, give it to the church to care for the needs of other people. That's the type of lifestyle Barnabas is living. That's the type of, that's the type, I mean, he's roll, he rolls with Paul throughout the, throughout the gospel, throughout the um, epistles. But even this brother who was willing to take this step of faith, sell his house, contribute it to the church, is in the body and is like, wait a minute. I thought Christ died to unify. Maybe, maybe he didn't. Because Peter's not doing life with them like like I thought we were supposed to, so maybe I should start doing a little hypocritical lifestyle too. I I want to say that 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 what Christ dies for is for the experience of the church. We don't we don't see we we don't and and. And here in 14, he himself is our peace. In 15, it says, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Making peace happens when God's people are reconciled. Leon, where does that leave me with the world? I don't know. Because if you, if you are not able to, with Jesus, do reconciliation. With Christ, who says the fruit of this unity makes peace. If we can't do that in here, what are we expecting of the world? What do you think you're going to go do with your coworker? If from the same perspective, two Christ-centered people won't go there and, and I, I, I give you two examples. Two examples of, of, of it failing. First example, a biblical example, Tower of Babel. 
You've got people united for a purpose without God. Without God. So they're, they're doing things together, but, but, but it's an offense to God because it's all for selfish gain. It's so, let's build a tower so that we can be great. That, that's a historical example. Let's take a contemporary example. Hippies. Shoot them the peace sign. One, one of the most, uh, one of the biggest revolutionary movements to take place in the last hundred years, right? All founded on peace. In the name of freedom, peace, joy, love. You see pictures of blacks and whites together, kicking it, Asians, everybody kicking it, love. If, but, but studies have been done to show the fruit of the labor of those individuals who were at one point young, doing this in the name of, of, of love and peace, but now CEOs, politicians, the, the, the influence, influencers of our nation. And you look and you don't see, you don't see one of the biggest ways, ways that they gauge their success is by how different races are treated. And today, a black man still makes 75 cents for every dollar that a white man makes. How is that when, when the politicians that were kicking it together, talking about love and peace, and the hippies now make the policies, CEOs now run the businesses, but yet the effect hasn't happened. Why? Because the, the heart of it was not for Christ. It won't last if it's anything else. If it's not for Christ, it won't last. There's going to be a selfish ambition embedded within it. So, Leon, you're telling me that, that Christ-centered unity, racial reconciliation is for the church. Then how do I do that? We, we, we almost end in these verses, in this verse. Colossians 3, 9 through 12. Do not lie to each other. Integrity, honesty. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I think we try to make it more difficult than it has to be. We try to make it more difficult than it has to be. We simply can say, who is our fellow citizen now? Because of what Christ has achieved on the cross, who is my fellow citizen? Every person in this room that's a believer. If that's so, then what does it look like for me to be intentional 
in being kind towards another race. I'm not letting you off the hook here with something that's, that's, that means you don't have to be intentional. Because patience towards your, 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 your blood cousin, your blood brother, looks different than patience towards you trying to learn another culture. But when we sit down and think about it, what does it look like for me to have compassion? I, I almost put my foot in my mouth the other day. Rebecca and I having dinner with the sister. She comes over and she's got, um, 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 you know, uh, black hair. My assumption is that she's from India. And so I'm about to say, like, hey, where from India are you? But I'm like, just say, where are you from? Why don't you start there, brother, because you've been known to put your foot in your mouth. I say, hey, where are you from? She says, Sri Lanka. Oh, tell me, how did that differ from India? Oh, and then she begins to share more. And I ask questions. But you know what? Let's say I had made the assumption. She could have responded with anger. Or she could have responded with gentleness, kindness, humility. I'm not saying be a doormat for the sake of culture. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we are responsible to always exemplify Christ-like character. He's given it to us. I think if this is present in cultures trying to learn from one another, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a great time. Doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. Doesn't mean I might not misunderstand you, be taken out of context. But man, I think with these traits present, racial divisions cease to impact the church in the ways that they have. Doesn't mean we'll be totally rid of sin. We'll constantly be a people who need, through sanctification, to continue to keep this before us. But family, let us be intentional about about using these traits, using these character components to advance the kingdom through doing life together as a body. So I ask that you, this week, Matt group, home, whenever, ask yourself, what does it look like to be intentional about getting to know someone different from yourself? With, with, with what would it look like to extend compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience to someone from another race in the body? Family, we are now going to... Hey, Nate. So in our body, we have, though, be, though we're kind of small, a relatively rich diverse group mm. um, but as you pointed out earlier like a lot of churches there's not that mm. um, not just historically but in our day like yeah. most I mean they continue to be even in areas that have different uh, people groups together there's like Korean churches and mm -hmm. there's you know black churches and there's white churches mm -hmm. what as we're talking to other people from other bodies how how does this call to intentional, like, diversity? What is, what is the call on them? Mm. I mean, that's a great question. I, I think the call, I think the call goes.
goes back to uh, some of our previous sermons in saying, like, who would be the people that we could invite even into a conversation? You know, like, as, as I was raised in a black church in a black community, yet I worked with many whites, connected with all types of different cultures and different, and different, genre, different genres of life, but it was only in worship that I chose to isolate myself. So I, I, think, that, I think that the call for any, any group that's all white, all black, all Asian, is to say why. And if, if your community is all white and you're in, you know, the country somewhere, like, I think, it, I think it's a, it's a it, you can almost give them the benefit of the doubt to say, hey, I kind of get it a little bit. You know, you're not going to bust in black people. I get it. <laughs> you know. But if, but if you're in Detroit, if you're in Detroit and you're an all Asian church, an all black church, an all white church, it just doesn't seem to me that that's representative now. doesn't seem to me like that's representative of what he desires his kingdom to be. I say that meaning, like, let us be intentional, but we also can't control the fruit. So you can be intentional about caring for everybody and still end up somehow all black. Or end up all white. But I think that that intentionality... Uh, within many of our people to be missional in that way. No, excuse me. I, I do think it's present and growing in many of people in our church. I think in the church, in other churches, that same champion to be intentional in that way uh, isn't present as often. And so it, it, it leads to uh, groups being the same, people being the same. Mm-hmm. So, say that again, so please. For, for other churches that are like that, though, the challenge in the conversation is that that being more diverse is biblical. For sure. In, okay. For sure. Definitely. Definitely. Amen. Well, I think that the, the thing is that are we that in our unity we bring glory to God, and so. If the church is diverse ethnically, then in our unity, ethnically and racially, we bring glory to God. Mm. And so, if we're not doing that, I think it's a good ask why. Mm. And yes. <laughs> sorry, I don't want to have to talk to. Um, <laughs> to ask why, so we can be like, hey, are we doing it because of? Our, are we not doing it because of our own sin? Are we, you know? Are we, are we not bringing glory to God in this area because of our own sin? Amen. Amen. You have to be intentional. You know? And Robin's going to be the last one. I actually have a question for you. Okay. Is there a verse that you can give us as we're speaking to people who believe that they should be in an all, whatever, same minority church mm-hmm. that we could show... Mm-hmm. Um, God wants us to be more diverse. God wants us to be more together. He made all of us. Mm-hmm. Is there something you can give us where we can say, no, this is how God wants us to be? Amen. Amen. Yeah, I would, uh, I would, I'd do the, the Colossians 3, 9 through 12. Um, that's a start. 
you know, or the Ephesians text, the two, um, the, the two through eleven, either of those. But then there, there are definitely others. The theme of reconciliation. Uh, yeah, I, I would start there, sis. Be great. Be great. Amen. So, family, would you guys please uh, pray with me now? And communion, uh, would you guys prepare? And uh, worship team, would you guys prepare and tithe? Lord, we do thank you that uh, that we get to be the fruit of your peace. Lord, you make peace by unifying us. First to you, Jesus, and then to one another. God, would you allow us to be a church body who try to live this out? Let us be intentional, God, about about allowing your character to be present as we want to eradicate sin. Or sin is pervasive. And if any of us think that we've arrived and race just no longer is an issue for us, Father, I pray that we would we would just submit that to you. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, at this time, family, we're going to take tithe.